Thanks to NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform. Get the free guide, Crushing the Five Barriers to Growth, at netsuite.com fool. It's Monday, October 29th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and joining me in studio, we have Motley Fool analyst Emily Flippin and Jason Moser. Welcome. Hey, hey. How are we feeling? Feeling great. Right. That feeling that great. did not sound very enthusiastic. <laughs> so you got to pump it up. You got to pump good. it up. There you go. There, there you, go. you go. There you go. Mondays. <laughs> okay. Well, we have a big deal to talk about that we're going to get to, and we're going to talk some Amazon and Twitter because we didn't really get to talk about Amazon's earnings or Twitter's earnings last week, Jason. And it was an abbreviated week. Yeah, yes. you guys were out there in yes. Denver partying so, down, having fun. That's right. That's right. We were we were we were we had a great member event in Denver, um, but it means that we didn't get to talk about some of the big stories from last week. But we're going to begin. with with a big story this week, IBM making a big deal. On Sunday, IBM agreeing to buy Red Hat for $33 billion, or $190 um, in cash per share. Now, that is a 63% premium to where Red Hat closed on Friday. That sounds like a lot, right? Sounds like a lot. Yeah, not bad. And IBM CEO Ginny Romnetti says the deal is all about, quote, resetting the cloud landscape. Okay, so Emily, I want to get into that here in a minute. The press release announcing the deal describes Red Hat as, quote, the world's leading provider of open source cloud software. And when you look at the deal, shares of Red Hat up around 47% today, IBM down a little. So, good deal for IBM? Um, I think it's a necessary deal for IBM, and it's an interesting deal for Red Hat. Um, for a little fun facts, this is actually the third largest deal in the U.S. history for tech. So it's that not, is kind of fun. It mm-hmm. is a fun fact, and it's, <laughs> it, it is to say that you'll notice that uh, Red Hat shares are not exactly at that 190 price, and that's attributable to the fact that this will need regulatory and shareholder approval before it, it moves forward. I would expect that to happen. Um, so it's an exciting deal for IBM. IBM have been posting. Really stagnant growth um, over you know the past few years, so they needed to do something. They were losing out horribly to competitors like Amazon and Microsoft in the space. So this acquisition for them is an attempt to control every part of of the cloud ecosystem for an enterprise. So if you're an enterprise and you have um, a lot of physical assets in terms of a traditional information storage, and you're looking to move towards a cloud environment, what they do is they have a an interbetween phase where you're operating on a hybrid cloud environment. So this deal is going to allow IBM to get in on the hybrid cloud environment space and help companies transition to that cloud environment. And so they're using Red Hat to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think she hit the nail on the head there, and that it was a necessary deal for IBM. And I think feel like we've been talking about IBM sort of just sitting there doing nothing over the past like decade, more or less, as as uh, every other tech company uh, we we discuss seems to be just just flying right past it. So typically, with with big tech companies like this that are that are a little bit more based on legacy success, you have to go in there and, and make a big deal like this. That's why it's such a premium, I think. IBM really wants this. They don't want Red Hat to go shopping around to see if someone wants to uh, up the ante a little bit. And so, they're paying, obviously, a, a very uh, a heavy premium today. It more than likely goes through, I guess. I mean, perhaps there's there's a you know some scrutiny there. But I think for me, when I looked at the two companies, I think this really tells you everything you need to know. When you look at the companies 
And you note the disparity in in the research and development line item on their income statements. If you look at R and D as a percentage of revenue for Red Hat, is about twenty percent. They're plowing a lot of that money they make back into the business because they need to keep relevant and keep advancing. IBM's around seven, wow. and, and they're basically doing that just to tread water. And that's what they've been doing for uh, I mean a long time now. So, I mean, to see them make a big deal like this isn't surprising. I think Red Hat's a good business. The fundamentals are sound. Uh, whether IBM actually does anything really good with it remains to be seen. And when you look at IBM, the stock, it hasn't even been treading water. You look over the last five years, and Emily, we were talking about this before the show. Yeah. Shares are down. You have lost money on IBM over the last five years. I mean, that's that's pretty tough to do in this market. Yeah, and it had the reputation for the longest time of like, well, if you couldn't really figure out what kind of market it was and how you should be investing, well, you could always just buy shares of IBM, and no one would really hold that against you because of its standing in in the in the tech space. But but obviously, tech has changed so much. In in just the recent years, and certainly IBM hasn't really been spearheading that change. So I want to talk more about this idea of resetting the cloud landscape. IBM CEO says that big companies have moved around twenty percent of their work to the cloud. So if you take that, let's just take that as our starting point. That leaves around eighty percent, right? That all of these different companies are competing for. So IBM and Red Hat can go after that eighty percent. But we've got a few competitors, so let's just review of some of the names in that space. Amazon, Microsoft, and Google. So, what's interesting about Red Hat is because they are focused on open source platforms. So, when a person goes out and, and buys Red Hat, you know, uses Red Hat as a provider, they're not actually buying any type of material software, because all the code is already out there. If they wanted that, they could quite literally go onto GitHub and copy and paste it. What they're doing is they're buying Red Hat support, so the technology, the expertise that's needed to implement that. And so, it's going to be really interesting to see how they compete, because you'll notice that a lot of their competitors actually use Red Hat. So, what IBM is trying to do is saying, hey, we're not going to be the big cloud provider that is Amazon Web Services, but we can at least be the system in which Amazon Web Services is operating on. And so, Red Hat is known, their most widely subscribed product is Red Hat Enterprise Linux. It's the operating system that all this technology is running on. So, what they're trying to do is just get in on the base level of that and try to be a player in the space without necessarily directly competing. And we mentioned earlier about kind of the culture around IBM, how it's been a slow growth company, not doing much in the space. I think that's where the controversy for this deal comes from, because a lot of people see Red Hat as an innovator, completely open source. I mean, any company that can make two billion dollars selling something that's free is a good company in my book. <laughs> that's um, a good point. <laughs> so, I mean, the opportunity there for a cultural disillusion as this company that's been such an innovator, that's been open source, moves to this conglomerate, this large kind of slow tech company, it could be a hard pill to swallow for some employees. But IBM definitely needs the growth. The old culture clash. We've heard that story before, right? I yep. think back to AOL and Time Warner, so we will see how the deal shakes out. Well, let's talk about one of those competitors. On Friday, shares of Amazon had their worst day in four years, down around 8%. Concerns over slowing growth in the wake of their earnings, Jason. Um, shares not doing much today. Now, we should add that Amazon's still up around 40% 
for the year. So, perspective yeah, is in good. order. But what do you make of Amazon? Well, I mean, every quarter when we talk about Amazon earnings, for many of us, the first thing we look to is top line growth. It's less about earnings because we know that typically they're going to be reinvesting a lot of that money into the business and fulfillment in cloud infrastructure. So, so it's more about top line, less about bottom line. In in Taking that into consideration, it makes sense that the market was at least a little bit concerned here. Uh, top line growth was a little bit lighter, perhaps, than what the market was expecting. And I think really the selling uh, is more from the guidance for the holiday quarter, right? And and you know it, it's 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 difficult for I uh, for for Amazon really to go in there and and offer. A tight window of where they see that top line going. I mean, they even made the point in the call that really the, the the most of their money in this holiday quarter is made from this tiny window between like the middle of November towards the end of the year, and it's just difficult to predict. So they offer a range that range didn't quite meet up with what the market was hoping for, and, and you get the sell off. But I mean, it's not to sit there and think, okay, well this is a business in trouble. I mean, clearly it's not, but it's a business that does a lot of different things. And I think one point worth noting is that now. When when you look at the actual retail business, that third party sales now represent fifty three percent of total units sold on the platform, and what that means is that Amazon uh, is bringing outside partners in and using their commerce platform to sell their stuff. It's terrific, uh, it's it's very profitable, but it does play out on the on the top line number a little bit. So you sort of take everything uh, into consideration here. I think they're doing a lot of great things. Amazon Web Services continues to grow. It's now on a twenty six billion dollar run rate. Uh, well, that was 18 billion a year ago. So, uh, you know, let's let's not get too worked up. I mean, I'm, I'm going to hang on to my shares for now. Okay, deep breath. I'll, I'll keep my <laughs> shares as well. Emily, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I totally agree. I think the high margin business, which is the Amazon Web Services, is really going to be the main growth driver for Amazon, along with initiatives that the company probably hasn't even thought about yet. Um, so, this is kind of a blip on the radar. I will just add, though, that I think a lot of concerns coming from the growth of Prime subscribers and the question of whether or not the market's been tapped out for people who are going to pay a premium of what is it now like $119 a year like that. Um, that for a prime subscription especially when you have a lot of people who have a one account per family so is the growth there really maxed out and did they achieve the prime customer growth that they were hoping to when they acquired Whole Foods and they started doing the discounts for Amazon Prime members at Whole Foods um, was that a better deal for Whole Foods than it was for Amazon Prime I think that's to be determined, but either way, I think it is going to be concerning for a lot of people seeing the growth of Prime subscribers starting to slow down as the market just begins to get tapped out. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're you know faced with the conundrum of Prime or Costco, Mac. I mean, which way do you? Oh my go? gosh, that is that is it question. one or the other? Or that is, is it, or that is, is, is Sophie's choice. I mean, that's a totally <laughs> offensive analogy, and I apologize, but I never want to be left with that. I mean, I would. I would probably choose Amazon over Costco if I had to say that. And please wow. do not repeat that Boy, to Jim Senegal. Yeah, but I don't that. have to. I don't have to. Like <laughs> this morning, we ordered something on Amazon, and it's coming later today. So my my question is, do they have a distribution center in in our front yard now? <laughs> I mean, how that is voodoo magic. I don't understand. Well, that. they they the past couple of years they've spent a little bit more on fulfillment than they had historically, and they have made the point here that this holiday season they're going to be spending a little bit less because they've spent so much in the in the in the preceding couple of years. So that that could play out on the bottom line favorably for them. I mean, whether it does or not, I don't know that, that really matters. But I mean, it's worth noting they continue to invest a lot in fulfillment, and, and the bottom line, much like Costco, uh, Amazon is looking to provide.
provide low prices and awesome customer service. And there was there was a quote on the call that for me this was the best quote of the call and it's the best quote I've heard from uh, from them in some time. It came from Dave Files, the director of investor relations, and he said, "I quote: So it's easy to lower prices, but it's much harder to be able to afford to lower prices." End quote. And that to me tells you everything you need to know. And that really, I think, is the crux of the competitive advantage, right? Yeah. Anybody can lower prices, but can you afford to do it? And for a while, it didn't look like Amazon really could, until they could. Yeah. Well, that 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 makes a lot of sense. And um, you know, I, I'm thinking back to your question again, and I and I don't like my answer, and so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna modify it and say that I, I don't want to give up Amazon or Costco because Costco has the treasure hunt, and Amazon will never. In my humble opinion, be able to replicate that treasure hunt mentality, and that's a wonderful thing. And they don't have the free samples. You're not getting free samples on it. It's a fair statement. Okay, so lay off Costco. (laughs) Okay, so before we talk about our next story, I want to mention that support for Market Foolery comes from Netsuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform. Netsuite shows you everything about your business: revenue, expenses, customers, orders, e-commerce all in real time, keeping your company safe from fraud. NetSuite saves you time and money by managing sales, finance, accounting, orders, and HR instantly, right from your desk or phone. And y'all, this isn't some one-size-fits-all software. I don't want a one-size-fits-all software, because you know what? One size rarely fits all. So, NetSuite works the way your business works. That's why thousands of the best-known brands and fastest-growing companies use NetSuite to manage their business. And now it's available to you and is more affordable than you think. Right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights to overcome the obstacles that are holding you back for free. Get the free guide, Crushing the Five Barriers to Growth, at netsuite.com slash fool. Okay, let's wrap up by talking Twitter. Jason, I know this is a company near I'm not sure it's dear to your heart, but I think it is near to your heart. And I want to talk about the the changing narrative, because it seems like the narrative is changing a bit. Last Thursday, Twitter reporting better-than-expected earnings shares up around 20% since they reported earnings. Now, I use Twitter. I like the service, but I'd kind of written off the business. Should I give it a second look? Um a second look, I so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna get back to that I guess in a minute. I'm not terribly <laughs> convicted one way or the other there. I mean it's it's funny to see that what has been held against the business for so long has now become more or less uh, a passing concern. And what I mean by that is the 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 monthly user growth, right? I mean that that was for the longest time that the question was how big can they grow that user base? You need to grow that user base as big as you can so you can monetize it. I think we've hit the point as as investors, you need to look at this and say, okay, Twitter's basically maxed out its users user base. It's not going to get much bigger than it already is. It's somewhere around 20 325 uh 326 million uh, monthly active users. And that was 335 million uh, just just a year ago. So from 335 to 326, and that's going to go lower this coming quarter as well. They've already guided the market buying the stock was a little bit odd, but I think it makes some sense because what we're seeing now is at least. They've proven there is a business there, and and to put some numbers around that, if you look at the trailing twelve months, 
Twitter actually has an E to go in the price to earnings ratio. The PE ratio is not very helpful if there's no E. The and E for the longest has time, arrived. For the longest time, there was no E. <laughs> but over the trailing 12 months, they've recorded 47 cents in earnings per share. Real gap profitability there. And so that makes a difference. I'm not sitting here telling the stock is dirt cheap, but at least we know there's a business there. And I think that's where investors can start to say, okay, maybe there's a way to leverage this platform. They're doing some good things on the video side. Advertisers are saying good things. They're realizing some return there. And I think it's proven itself to be pretty resilient as a platform for the purpose that it serves. I think there's a lot of trouble that still comes with a lot of these social networks. I mean, I think we're seeing a lot of the downside of this so-called connected world. But it's good to see them changing the discussion a little bit, for sure. Emily, what do you think of Twitter? Since I'm not a Twitter shareholder and I'm not a Twitter user, uh, I would just say to the extent that you know it plays into my life, Twitter could have posted earnings of $100 per share, and it probably wouldn't have changed the needle for me at all. Social networking sites are, in my opinion, very fatty. Um, so it's, That's it's hard. That's F-A-D-D, yes, right? F-A-D-D-Y. Okay. Got it. Uh, very fatty. And to me, it's hard to predict where a market goes in that direction, monetizing what I consider to be a relative fad. Jason, how about one person I should follow on Twitter? And I don't want anything political. I get I get enough politics. Just someone I should follow on Twitter well, that's going to make me smarter or happier, or just going to be worth following. And, and present company excluded. I, I you know you know this is going to hurt Mac, but I think you really. Given the results of this past weekend, I think you need to give the Boston Red Sox oh, a follow. You had to right? mention that. I mean, they just they ran one hell of a feat all year long. Incredible. It's the dream season. They crushed my beloved you know, it'll, Astros. It'll, 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 it'll bring a smile to your face. You'll at least you'll say, you know what? I, I was pulling for the Astros, but you know, these these guys they run they they keep me smiling. You know, I think that's what you'll say. You need to enjoy your one year <laughs> run because a year from now. It's going to be the Astros' return to greatness. I feel it. I feel it. I mean, I, I'm so. Which means that Red Sox will win again because I predicted the Astros would sweep the Red Sox. It was a pretty phenomenal year for them, for sure. Incredible, incredible year. You know, great players. It's 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 a, it's an easy team to like, and I say that as an Astros fan. But the Red Sox are an easy team to like. Yeah, so. no no Manny Machado's on that team. Oh God, Manny, no Manny Machado. For those of you not following the World Series, Manny Machado. Here's what you need to know. He's he's a great baseball player who basically hustling is not his thing. So there's there's a situation where he hits what he thinks I guess is a home run. It's not even close to a home run by the way. It bounces off the bottom of the wall and he's walking to first base. So, you know, you got to do better. I don't care do if you're a baseball player. I don't care what you do in life. You got you got to hustle. You can't just show up. You got to hustle. You got to put it out there, man. Oh, terrible. I mean, in all seriousness, hey, I hope you're following uh, industry focuses Twitter feed, Mac. Because that is a universe of information there that will benefit any investor, any and all. You so. know, I'm not going to answer that question right now, but that, <laughs> but I, I think that sounds like a good idea if I weren't already following it, which I may not be. Okay, so Desert Island Poll. Let's end with that. Once again, you're on a desert island. It's a totally unfair, never invest this way, arbitrary question. But I'm going to give you some stocks, and you need to tell me if you're going to buy one of these stocks for the next five years. And I'm going to make this interesting. I'm going to throw in some of the competition for IBM in the cloud space. Okay, so we've got IBM, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, or Twitter. I'm I'm torn. You're throwing those out there. I'm torn between Amazon. I. Love Amazon's business model. I think over the next five years, 
Amazon might have some struggles with their employee base. I think that problem has been festering for a while. Um, I also like Microsoft. I like Microsoft a lot. I think they're doing a lot to compete in the cloud computer space, much better than a lot of people predicted. So I'm torn between those two, possibly leaning towards Microsoft. Uh, but I will add that if IBM hadn't acquired Red Hat, um, if I was looking at Red Hat on you know, Thursday or Friday last week, like I was, um, I would easily pick Red Hat out of those two. I loved the the open source nature of the company. Yeah, I think that's that's good. I mean, that's fundamentally a very good business. Um, I'm going to surprise you. I think I probably would actually go with Microsoft. I mean, I think wow. Google they, they're going to really be dealing. I think with some privacy issues here in, in the coming years. I mean, just that ad business is just a difficult one to really. Keep on knocking out of the park, but but I tell you, Microsoft, Satya Nadella. I mean, it's just done a great job in turning this thing around, changing the discussion towards the the cloud services they offer. Really growing that business out there. Just a tremendous cash machine, really, and and they'll keep raising the dividend, buying back shares, and staying relevant. Well, thanks, and we will see how it shakes out. Jason, Emily, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. And I want to give a shout out to our listeners who I met in Denver. We had a great listener meetup. We had a great member event. Um, I've said this before, and this gets a little a little hokey, so indulge me here for a minute. But it is a joy and a privilege to do this show. We know you have a lot of listening options, and Jason and Emily, I know. You know, sometimes we're in this studio, and it's hard to really see how the show's being received. And then you talk to people, and they're like, "Oh." I listen on my way to work, or I listen when I walk the dog, and I'm like, you, you do? <laughs> You're the one? And so, I really, really appreciate um, all the conversations I got to have with our listeners, and most of all, we appreciate um, our listeners giving us their time, because yep. um, that's an incredibly valuable thing. And as always, we will try to hold up our end of the bargain. I'll try to hold up my end of the bargain, and when I don't, Here's what I can tell you. There's a very good chance that Chris will be hosting the next day anyway. <laughs> so you know what? Just just move move right Hang along. In there. Hang in there. Yeah, one day does not a show make. With that in mind, you can always email us at marketfoolery at fool.com with your questions and your comments. As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Matt Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.